Parshas Shemos, Ladder of Gratitude. Sponsor an episode for just $100 by calling 732-844-3670. Only a few years after Yosef passed away, a surprising thing occurred. A new king arose in Mitzrayim who did not know Yosef. Now, such a pasuk is quite puzzling. More than puzzling, it seems almost unbelievable. Could such a thing be true? Could it be that the king of Mitzrayim would forget the man who had reigned as vice monarch for 80 years? The man who had saved his country from the worst famine in the country's history? You have to know that Mitzrayim was a civilized nation. They kept historical records and nothing was forgotten. You remember when Paro gave Yaakov Avinu and his children the best land in Mitzrayim to live on? The Paros never took back that promise. Despite all the succeeding dynasties that ruled in Mitzrayim, Eretz Goshen was never taken away from the family of their savior. For 80 years, Yosef had been in charge of the country and he had done tremendous things for that land. Nobody could forget that. And so, our sages tell us that the truth is that these words, Asher lo yada et Yosef, are not to be understood in the most literal sense. Paro knew Yosef very well. If you would have pulled Paro over into a private corner somewhere in the palace and asked him, Don't you remember Yosef? He would have told you, Of course I remember Yosef. What he did for us. Who could forget him? But the B'nai Israel are increasing at unprecedented rates. There are simply too many of them and something I must do. And therefore, Asa et atzmo ki'ilu lo yada. Paro behaved like he didn't know. He knew Yosef, only that he didn't show it. He made it as if he didn't know him. As if he forgot what Yosef had meant for Mitzrayim. Now, about our Pasuk, the Medrash says as follows, Mashal Echad Shigorim Ikonin Shel Dikus. It's like the story of a certain man who was throwing stones at the statue of the governor. That's how it was in those days. Every city built a statue in honor of the one who had built up the city and supported its residents. But this man was upset at the governor for some reason. And so he walked into the city square and began to throw rocks at his statue. Amar HaMelech, as soon as the king heard about what had happened, he said, Hatizu et rosho. Take off that man's head right now. Because if you let him live tomorrow, he'll do the same thing to me. The Medrash is telling us that the same thing happened with Paro. Paro acted like he didn't know. He knew Yosef, but he wasn't grateful to him at all. Yosef, certainly he helped us. But what type of gratitude should I feel already? What happened, happened. Oh, said Hashem, if you can be kafui tov, a denier of good that a person bestows upon you, then you're never going to recognize what Hashem does for you. A man who can throw stones at Yosef will surely throw stones at me. There'll come a time when the one who said, I don't know Yosef, he'll say, Lo yadati et Hashem. I don't know Hashem either. 
That's what happened eventually. Eventually, when Moshe and Aaron came to Paro, he said, Who is Hashem? I never heard of him. There's an important principle that's involved here, and our sages describe it as follows. If someone denies gratitude for a benefit that his fellow man bestowed upon him, he will end up denying any benefits that he received from Hashem. That's always the end of a man who doesn't recognize his fellow. He won't recognize Hashem either. It's impossible otherwise. If you are not capable of being grateful to a person who is standing before you, a basar vadam, who you can see with your own eyes, then you could forget about being grateful to Hashem. It just can't be any other way. You can say the words. You can speak about recognizing Hashem and thanking Hashem. You could say beautiful words. But sincere gratitude to Hashem is actually very far from your mind. Now our sages are telling us this principle because it applies to ourselves. We're not so concerned about Pado after all. And therefore, we'll leave him for a moment and we'll talk about our own lives. Here's a yeshiva boy sitting at the dinner table. Let's say your mother made supper for you tonight. When she brought you a bowl of soup and some chicken and rice, did you say thank you to your mother? Did you appreciate what she did for you? It took time to prepare that supper. She was slaving away over the stove for a long time. Not only supper. Did you ever make a cheshpen of how many steps your mother took in the house today just for you? Back and forth. Back and forth. Up the stairs, down the stairs. In the kitchen, back and forth. And back and forth. Your mother walks miles for you. Did you say thank you to your mother for all of those steps that she took for you just today? It doesn't even enter your mind. And let's say at the end of supper, your mother said to you, my child, farbes an apple for dessert. So maybe you grumbled, just a plain apple? Where's the ice cream custard? Or some other kind of dessert? That's all she's offering me? An apple? But let's say you didn't complain. You were big enough to keep your mouth shut. And you took it begrudgingly. But gratitude? To say a hearty, thank you, mother, it doesn't even enter your mind. You think you're doing your mother a favor by taking her apple. So what's there to thank for already? But you're a very firm boy. So you said, Baruch Atah Hashem, Periyaitz. Oh yes, you'll say. When it comes to the creator, how could I ignore the fact that he creates food? Certainly I recognize the hand of the creator. Baruch Atah. I thank you, Hashem, for creating the fruit of the tree for me to eat. And as soon as you finish eating, now you really get busy. You're a very firm boy. So you're going to say now, Birkas Amazon, with his lavas. And it takes some time, too. It's four long brachas. But we're learning now that it's empty words. It's just words with a niggin. Of course, you have to say it anyway. You have no choice. It's a mitzvah de'oraisa, and you'll get your reward. But you have to know that it's just a formality. It's meaningless. Absolutely meaningless. If you're thinking what you're saying, it's just empty words. Because if you're koifer betoivoso, shel chavedo, if you're capable of denying the benefits that your mother gave to you, libisof 
Kofer betovaso shel makom. Then you'll be undoubtedly denying the benefits that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is giving to you. And it's not just your mother. Did you ever thank your father for working all day long for you? He's paying for your scharli mut. You're still in yeshiva and he's paying for it. So you'll say, he has to pay. He's my father. Why does he have to pay? He wants to learn himself. Why can't you go to work and let him sit and learn? He's working all day in the office. So you can eat and have a place to live. You never thought of thanking your father? Well, you should know then that you'll never be able to thank Hashem. If you withhold gratitude for a benefit that your fellow man bestows upon you, the besof, Kofer betovato shel makom. You'll end up denying benefits that you received from Hashem. That's the foregone conclusion of a man who doesn't recognize his fellow. He won't recognize Hashem either. It's impossible otherwise. Now the reason this is true is because it's much easier to be grateful to a human being than to be grateful to Hashem. It's easier to be grateful to someone you see. You see your husband after all. You see that he's working all day long in the office in Manhattan to support the family. You see that he comes home at the end of the week with the paychecks to pay the bills. Your wife too. You see your wife. You see she's cooking for you. You see she's raising your family. You see that you have clean shirts and clean underwear because of her. You see that she's doing all of these things. HaKadosh Baruch on the other hand, is ve'eno nir'eh. He sees us, but we don't see him. Of course, we know that he's the truth of the world, that he's the only true existence. But no matter, it's not easy to feel gratitude towards an idea. How can you be sincerely grateful to something you subscribe to merely by means of emuna? A fellow bus of Adam, you don't need any emuna. A person that has done something of benefit to you is not an ideal It's an actual person. Of course, if gratitude means just saying some words, then it's all the same. It's all empty words. But we're talking about sincere gratitude now, about appreciating what people are doing for you and feeling indebted to the one bestowing upon you good things. We're talking now about looking your mother in the eye with a smile and say, thank you so much, Ma. I really appreciate it. And therefore, if you're thanking HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but you're not thanking the people around you, it's nothing but an externality. You had no intention of gratitude, because if you deny your fellow man's benefits, you're surely denying the benefits that Hashem gives to you. That's what the Medrash is teaching us. It's a fundamental corruption of character. When you fail to cultivate that midah of gratitude towards those around you, because only as much as you have developed that attitude of gratitude to the people in your own life, will you be a sincere makir tov to HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself. Now the truth is that the attitude of gratitude is inherent in all human beings. And that's because from the beginning of creation, HaKadosh Baruch Hu implanted in mankind all good qualities of character. The Creator breathed into a man's nostrils the spirit of life. 
Now that sentence is so important that we should talk for 40 years on that one subject. I'm not exaggerating. Because who breathed into man's nostrils? Hashem and man dinapach midilei nafach. If somebody breathes, he breathes from himself. So it means Hashem breathed into mankind something of himself. There is in mankind something of Hashem. Now I don't know what Hashem is, and nobody else does either. And therefore, nobody can describe exactly what he breathed into man. But because we know that Hashem didn't breathe into the nostrils of horses, or cows, or rabbits, so you must say that this procedure was something beyond the mere gift of life. Hashem breathed into man the soul, the nishmas chayim. The Ranban says that at that time, man became endowed with infinite wisdom, a bottomless and profound knowledge. But not only wisdom in the sense of knowing things, all of the wisdom of correct traits of character, all the matters of conscience of right and wrong, lie concealed in the depths of the human soul. And included in that is the quality of gratitude. Hakara Satov is part of our subconscious existence. That's why all over the world, wherever you go, people expect others to demonstrate gratitude. Even communists, atheists, are outraged when they bestow some benefit upon you without hearing an expression of thanks. Let's say a college professor. He believes that a man is descended from algae. Now the algae doesn't have any qualms about ingratitude. And yet this college professor is outraged. He has an instinctive indignation at people who don't appreciate what he does for them. Now if you would question him, why should we have any more scruples than algae, sir? After all, according to your own teachings, we are merely the result of accidents and development. And therefore, all these things, gratitude, honesty, decency, are merely figments of imagination, according to you. They're imaginary social structures. So why should we be obligated to thank you? But despite all the theories, although he doesn't believe in anything, the professor is still influenced by his non-evolutionist mother. He still believes in the innate decency of gratitude because he can't escape the inherent traits of character in every man's soul. And that includes the basic decency of feeling thankful and indebted to anyone who does even the smallest favor to you. And yet, despite this truth, as natural and innate as the quality of gratitude really is, we see there's a dichotomy between theory and actual practice. We can say it. We can believe it. We can expect it. But where is it? Look around. We see that in practice, gratitude is lacking. Certainly people are not as grateful as they should be. And yet, it's a question. How could such a thing be? What happened to the Nishmas Chaim that HaKadosh Baruch Hu breathed into all of us that includes this fundamental attitude of gratitude? And the answer is that there is a strong burden of habit that chains our mind and does not permit us to appreciate the elementary principle of gratitude to our own benefactors. 
a child who grows up in a house whose parents from the beginning fed and clothed him and housed him. Does it occur to him to feel gratitude to his parents because they supplied a home for him? It doesn't enter his mind because he expects it. That's how it's supposed to be, he thinks. And it could be. He will never think about it all of his life. He will never look back with gratitude to the fact that his parents paid rent for him. If he didn't exist, the apartment could have been smaller. His parents would have been paying less rent. It costs a lot of money to raise a child. But it doesn't occur to you because you are a prisoner of habit. The force of habit of being born into a world where everyone was constantly bestowing benefits upon you has blinded you to the tremendous responsibility of gratitude. And yet there's something worse than the fact that you don't appreciate what your parents or your fellow man does for you. That's only how Betzorah, even more serious than that, is not being makir tov to those around you, is what results from that. Such an attitude fundamentally means that you are not thankful to HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself. If we are not capable of recognizing what a father and a mother did for us, despite the open manifestations of their kindliness and their concern for us, if despite their open signs of love and devotion and self-sacrifice, it doesn't begin to enter the child's mind that there is any debt of gratitude to his parents, then that person remains blind to the most fundamental phenomenon of the universe. And that is the necessity to be grateful to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It is He who is actually the one supplying us with everything. That's what the Torah is teaching us here. If you're going to be a kafoy tov to your fellow man, then you'll be a kafoy tov to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, because it's impossible for a person to departmentalize his character. If a man is crooked in his midas, then everything he does is going to be with the crooked midas, because the midas of character expand in every direction. You cannot be different than you actually are. And therefore you deal with HaKadosh Baruch Hu with the same set of character traits that you deal with human beings. It just can't be helped. When a man is deficient in his conduct towards his fellow man, we know that he's deficient in his conduct with Hashem. If you think that you can separate between your behavior to your parents or your spouse or your neighbors and your behavior to Hashem, you're living your entire life with a Sheker. You think it's two different departments. Hashem, ooh, I recognize what Hashem does for me. It could be I'm deficient when it comes to my gratitude to people. Could be, but that has nothing to do with my religiosity. I'm thankful to Hashem and I'm dedicated to Him because of my gratitude. No question about that. No, it's not true. And even if he talks to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and he says, Baruch Atah, Baruch Atah all day long, it's impossible that it should be sincere. It's a sham. You don't think he's doing much for you at all. Like once a young man, a firm boy asked me, why should I be grateful to Hashem? I took a look at him. He wasn't wearing crutches. He didn't have braces on his feet. He didn't have a brace to hold up his neck. He didn't have false teeth. He looked to be well nourished. He didn't seem to have slept last night on the park bench either. 
and he was clothed. He wasn't walking naked. And he wants to know why he should be grateful to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Well, there's a lot to talk about if that's the case. And I'm afraid that most of us here tonight, even though we're polite enough not to say that, but in our heart, we're thinking the same thing. And so when you start a career of being a servant of Hashem, that's what we all want to be after all. Hashem said to us, you are my servants. And we're happy that we were chosen for that role. You must have some training. And the first thing, therefore, is Derech Eretz Kadma La Torah. Good manners comes before Torah. Good manners, that's something everyone can understand. But what good manners means, however, that's a question. And the answer is that good manners doesn't just mean proper etiquette. It means the correct qualities of character. That's the Hagdama, the foundation of Avoidas Hashem. Because to sincerely react decently to Hashem, you must react properly to human beings. In his Hagdama, to Shar Avoidas Elokim, the Chayvus Alavavus expands on this idea. He says there that the Regesh of Akarasatov, the Basar Vadam, the emotion of gratitude towards people, that is the ladder by which we ascend to recognizing the benefits in having gratitude towards Hashem. If you begin practicing up on people, that's the way to start climbing the ladder towards perfection in serving Hashem out of gratitude. You're hearing a very important point now. The Chayvah Zalabavah teaches us that the greatest form of service of Hashem is serving Him out of sincere gratitude. And he's telling us here that the ladder that one ascends towards gratitude to Hashem is made up of rungs of being grateful to human beings. Gratitude to the people around you. That's how a person uses his life to climb higher to Hashem. You can't climb a ladder unless the first rung is there. If the first rung is missing, you can't go up to the second rung. And so, if you want to get busy making something out of yourself, always remember that the first step on the sulam are rungs of gratitude. Not gratitude to Hashem. Gratitude to the people around you. So you start with your parents, and little by little you go higher and higher. When your mother gives you breakfast in the morning, you should generate a feeling of gratitude to her and say, thank you, Ma, even if you don't say it you should surely feel gratitude for what she's given to you. Your mother is the first step on the rung. If you say, thank you, mother, when she gives you supper, then you can think about Birkas Hamazon. Benching is one step higher. That's how you climb. One step, and then another, and then another. That's how you climb the ladder of Hashem's service. Hukash kevoidom. Likvod hamakom, says Chazal. Honoring your parents is like honoring Hashem. Baba Messiah. Because it prepares you for honoring Hashem. Not only your parents. Say thank you to your rabbis too. Say thank you to the colored man driving the city bus. Say thank you to the bus driver who brought you to the yeshiva. You never thought about that, did you? When you get on the bus to go to school, you should feel gratitude to the driver who is taking you. It would do no harm if you said thank you. He'll be surprised. Don't tell him while he's driving. He might faint. Then when your Rebbe teaches you, 
You should feel grateful to him for teaching you Torah. You should feel grateful that the yeshiva building is comfortable and warm. You should feel grateful to the janitor who takes care of the furnace. Say thank you to the janitor. No harm. And even when you go to the shoemaker and you pay him for putting taps on your heels, you have to thank him. Without those taps, soon you would be walking barefoot. And don't just say empty words. Think about it for a few seconds and then say thank you. You go to the grocer. He sells you groceries and you give him only money. He can't eat the money, but you can eat the food. The baker too. Did you ever say thank you? Certainly you must say thank you, even if you're paying for it. And so when you start saying thank you to your mother, thank you to your father, your Rebbe, your neighbor, the mailman, the bus driver, not just saying thank you, but thinking about the benefits that you're getting from each one of them. So now you've started on your career of serving Hashem. By doing that, you're getting ready to thank the Boireh. You're preparing yourself to actually feel gratitude to the one who causes everything to happen. We're learning now that we cannot compartmentalize our attitudes. Our attitudes towards Hashem are direct outgrowth of our attitudes to our fellows. And that brings us to a remarkable statement of Chazal. Everybody knows that there's an iser to speak against your fellow man. It's forbidden by the Torah. You shouldn't go around spreading words about your fellow man. Even if it's true, don't say anything against your fellow man's reputation. And it's reiterated so often. Guard your tongue against evil. We see it's certainly a wicked practice. That's why you must be very careful when you approach the telephone. It's a dangerous instrument, and it must be used with discretion. And when you sit and talk with other people, the best thing is not to participate. Just listen and keep your mouth shut, because the more you talk, the more sure you are to sin. There is no doubt that the man who knocks other people is a sinner. But we find something else. Something surprising that our sages tell us about this man. He is much more than just a sinner. Anybody who speaks Lashon Hara, it's as if he denies HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It means it's considered as if he's slandering HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself. So the question is, why should that be? Yes, it's true. He's a Baal Lashon Hara. He's sinning by talking against other people. But after all, that's all it is. It's Ben Adam L'chaveiro. It's a sin between man and man. Where does HaKadosh Baruch Hu come into the picture? Is he talking against HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Surely this man, after he finished talking, let's say in preparation for davening, he said a little Lashon Hara before Brachos. But now he's ready to sing Shira. He puts on his talus and tefillin, and now he's ready to go. His neighbor who walks on his lawn, that's who he doesn't like. But for Hashem, he's full of praises. For him, he has nothing but admiration. It wouldn't even enter his mind to say anything against Hashem. Chas v'sholom. So we say, no, it's not so. 
Because once man gets into the habit of fault-finding, of looking for chesronos, of criticizing people, he'll be criticizing Hashem too. A person who is careless in speaking about his fellow man, you must know this man is going to speak ill of his creator. He may not say it. He may be afraid to say it. But in his mind, he's full of dissatisfaction with everything that Hashem did for him. And he talks lush and horror against him. Why did this happen to me, he says. Why didn't I have more success? Why did I lose money in this and this transaction? And he feels that the blame falls on HaKadosh Baruch He won't say it. But you have to know subconsciously, he is blaming Hashem. Again and again, we see people who are criticizing Hashem and belittling him. You want to see it. Walk outside in the wintertime. You'll find two old ladies that are standing and talking. What nasty weather it is. All the dirty snow. You know what snow is. Snow turns into water and water turns into fruits. Because all of that, the moisture of the slowly melting snow, goes into the earth. The farmers say that when there's not enough snow, the crops will not grow well next summer. Because the earth needs moisture. And it's the snow of winter that stores up moisture in the ground. Is that something to complain about? But that's how it is. If you're a complainer, you'll complain about everything. That's why it says in Mishlei, V'nirgan mafrid aluf. A complainer separates friends from himself. Nobody likes a complainer. A husband who complains, his wife won't like him. His children won't like him. A wife who complains, a mother who complains. She's not liked. Anybody who is a complainer should know that he's not popular. People don't like to hear complainers. And therefore, mafrid aluf, you lose friends. But our sages go on and explain the pasuk with one more step. Pay attention. The Gemara says, Ein aluf el hakadosh baruchu. The word aluf, friend, is talking about HaKadosh Baruch Hu too. The complainer loses all friends, and after a while he loses his most loyal friend. His best friend, he loses Hashem. The end is HaKadosh Baruch Hu becomes tired of him. He can't take him anymore. Hashem stops being his friend. Oh, but I'm not angry at you, Hashem, he'll say. I don't mean to complain against you. Nothing doing. V'nirgan mafrid aluf. You're losing your best friend. When a person complains, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, you're complaining against me too. You're dissatisfied. And it's impossible to be dissatisfied with men and not be dissatisfied with me. Don't think you're blaming only people, only circumstances. No, it's impossible to separate. You're never going to be grateful with all that I am giving to you, Hashem says. I am giving you a day, a rainy day, a cloudy day, a gloomy day. It's a day of life. Did you eat today? Did you wear clothing today? Did you go to the bathroom today? You lived a normal life today. What are you complaining about? You're complaining against me. Vayad Elohim et kol tov me'od. Hashem sees that everything he made is very good. But this man doesn't see anything good. Everything is very not good. 
And that's why his mouth is talking near Godus. Lashon Hara. Anakadosh Baruch You never thanked Hashem for rain. Never once. You're asleep on the job. Wake up. Try it once. When rain comes down, say, Oh, we thank you, Hashem, for the rain. That's how to wake up. Start thinking. Start thanking. Do you thank Hashem that you're wearing shoes? So many people in the world don't have any shoes at all. Shoes are an expensive luxury. There are entire nations that go barefoot. And you have shoes? Shasali kol tzarki. Even shoes you give to me. Did you look at your shoes when you said the words? Did you think about your shoes when you said those words? Think about the shoestrings. Shoes without shoestrings are worthless. You think about the shoe tips. Plastic shoe tips. If the laces went out of the hole and you want to put them back in again, the tips will help you to put them back in. Otherwise, you will have to spit on the end and twist it and push it hard through the hole. Think about these things. Malbi Sharumim. He clothes the naked. A poor man is saying the words. He's saying it with kavana, but he's not thinking a thing about the begodim. Did you ever thank Hashem about your buttonholes? Buttonholes! There's a seam around the buttonholes. Without that seam, the hole would get bigger every day. Do you ever thank Hashem for the seam? Let me see you make a seam. That's serious business. Rosh Hashiva told me this many years ago, so I'm telling other people the same thing. It was over 60 years ago. He said to me, could you make this? He was showing me a buttonhole. No, I said, I can't make it. A seam around the buttonholes and the buttons, buttons and coated fabrics. Once upon a time, they didn't have slippery fabrics. When your hand was putting in your sleeve, your fingernails got caught and it used to tear away through. Now it's like lubricated, slippery fabric. It just slides in. Coated fabric. I remember there were no coated fabrics once upon a time. Zippers. When zippers first came out, I remember a big chiddish. Most of the zippers didn't work. They used to get caught. Now we have zippers. Nothing is schwer. It's like it's lubricated. Are you thanking Hashem for your garments? It's serious talk that you're hearing now. And how many good things are happening to you? Thousands of good things. It's wondrous. The fact that you're able to sleep. Sleep is a nace. Sleeping is better than eating. It's a medicine. It heals many illnesses. It's a miracle. While you're sleeping, your nerves that were frayed are sewed together again. Many things are healed by sleep. And therefore, sleep is a miracle. You lie down on the pillow and you fall asleep. And then, Baruch Hashem, you got up in the morning. You're a new man. Hanotin layaev koach. We have to thank Hashem for sleep. You know, many people can't sleep. A man told me once, an old man, Ich hob falorien dem shluf. I lost my sleep. He couldn't sleep anymore. It's a tragedy. 
but you're a young man. You put your head on the pillow. Immediately, you fall asleep. Did you ever think of thanking Hashem for that? Some people never thank Hashem all their lives. Yes, you make a bracha, but you're not thinking what you're saying. Hamapil shena. I thank you, Hashem, that you caused me to fall asleep. You could be saying the bracha every night and not once thinking what they're saying. What a blessing sleep is. Did you ever thank Hashem for your feet? That's on the ability to walk. That's something else already. But some people don't have feet at all. So where's the bracha? The reason you make no bracha on the feet is because you have them all the time. Even while you're sleeping, you have feet. So you don't make a bracha in the morning. Hands you have all the time. So there's no bracha. But you still have to thank Hashem for your hands and for your feet. And even if there's no nusach, you never once thanked Hashem for your hands or for your feet. You never sang to Hashem that you have two hands and two feet. I saw a man in the street with no arms at all. No arms at all. Two stops. A man without arms. If he could get just one arm, how happy he would be. And you have two arms. And all our lives, we go on without thinking about the gift of two arms. Here's a person without any feet. I saw him sitting in a wheelchair. His knees were covered with a blanket. There was nothing underneath that blanket. If he could have one foot, he would hop around on crutches. He'd be a happy man. But he didn't have even one foot. He had no feet at all. No feet at all. Baruch Hashem, you have feet. Did you ever stop to thank Hashem for your feet? And now, how many things are like that? Thousands of things. Here's a man who is so sorry that he cannot urinate. And three times a week he has to go to a machine. A whole process. You need a very expensive machine to take the stuff out of your body. Instead of two kidneys. It's a big nuisance. And each time they have to find new places to punch in his body. To stick in the needles. His body is so full of holes. They can't even find a place to put in the needle anymore. This man, if he had one kidney, he'd be sugar with Simcha. His mother gave him a kidney of her own. It didn't work. His brother donated a kidney. It didn't work. He was disappointed again and again. And he remained without kidneys. And you, you have two kidneys. Every day you go to the bathroom. It's a nice. Your intestines have sucked out from your food, the nourishment, and everything it needs. And the rest is expelled. That's a nice. It's a miracle what takes place. The kidneys do the job so perfectly. Did you thank Hashem for your kidneys? Baruch Hashem! You have two kidneys. Now there are thousands of such things. Not thousands. Millions. And that's our function in this world. To learn how to live lives of gratitude. We are in this world for the purpose of training ourselves to be thankful to Hashem. And the only way to do that is by means of practice. You have to recognize all these details that HaKadosh Baruch Hu does for us. But we can never forget 
that the first step towards recognizing the king is to recognize the king's governors, the people around you. If you'll say, what did Yosef do for me anyway? You'll also say, what did Hashem do for me today? If you don't get busy recognizing the many kindnesses that you're getting every day from people, you'll never be able to climb the ladder of gratitude to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, the first step is to open up your eyes, to open up your mind, and see the manifold benefits that people are giving to you. That's the first step in the ladder to success. Because kol kofer b'tovato shel chaveiro. If someone denies gratitude for a benefit that his fellow man bestowed upon him, libisof kofer b'tovato shel makom. He will end up denying any benefits that he received from Hashem. Have a wonderful Shabbos.